Hey everybody, this is Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister, Celebrity Apprentice, yada, 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 you know me. And you're listening to Behind the Note Podcast with Chris Davis. Now pay attention. You're listening to Behind the Note Podcast, brought to you by a musician for musicians. Here, you will get advice toward a successful music career. This show is made to educate, inspire, motivate, and empower. Now, here is your host, Chris Davis. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for pressing play today. This is episode number 38, and we have a great show for you once again. Did you hear the introduction to the show D. Snyder, that is foretelling. I had a nice talk with him, and we're going to share that with you in the near future. But today, we're going to talk about something different. What is it like to be in show business, specifically the Las Vegas scene? I don't know about you, but that has been something that has always been of interest to me. And so today's guest is going to answer all of our questions about that. How do you get into that scene? What is it really like? He's going to let us know because this is his life. Today's guest is the star of the Rat Pack show in Las Vegas at the Rio Hotel. He plays the part of Sammy Davis Jr. He also has experience touring nationally and internationally. He has done much work in jingles, on television commercials, and also as a guest star on some of your favorite television shows. It's my pleasure to introduce to you today one of my friends, Mr. Nicholas Brooks. Thank you, Nicholas, so much for joining us. We're glad to have you today. Oh, Chris, always a pleasure, man. Great to talk with you. Now, I just introduced you a little bit to the audience, but we want to get to know you a little bit better. So will you tell us like some things that you're interested in when you're not performing? What do you like to do? Oh man, I'm a, I'm a big gym junkie in terms of fitness. Uh, it actually, you know, it actually happens to be good for show business because, you know, if you're the product which you are in show business, you want to look your best. But I do adore the gym. I love politics. I'm from a family of government and politics. I like eating, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I like I like going out and socializing. I'm a big, I'm kind of a party guy, but I love people which is what brought me to show business. So anything involved with people, I'm about it. Right on. Before we really get into the meat of the show, will you share a fun story with us about a moment in your career? I know you probably have plenty. Oh, yeah. Um, boy, let me think about that. Because the, the one thing that I always have a lot of stories in the wilds of the Vegas stage Anything and everything is has happened, and so I could kind of go with that. Um, oh man, if there's anything significant, uh, you know, it's basically when I'm going out into the audience, which I love to do, and you get the butt grabs, uh, the pinches, the number slips, the the hotel key slips in there, and the, you know, I'm supposed to be hearing this off the microphone while the music is going on. So that's, that's always funny. And, and, and to be honest, any man, the Vegas audience, you're going to have somebody in there, you know, if it's, uh, you know, somebody who's, who drank a little bit more or who wants to be interactive for some reason, people come to Vegas thinking that they can be a part of the show, whereas they wouldn't do it wherever they're from. 
So then that in itself is funny and interesting. So it's never a dull moment. Wow, that that is pretty funny. <laughs> and I know, oh, yeah. I know people can't see me on the podcast because uh, this is audio, but I'm over here laughing off of the microphone. He is, that, y'all. That's, that's pretty funny stuff, man. <laughs> oh, it's I got more for you if you want it. <laughs> I might have to ask you when we're not uh, recording. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, well, share with us, why show business? And and when did you know that you wanted to be in show business? Well, the the seed was planted as an eight-year-old in church, much like, you know, a lot of singers that that have come before us, you know, Usher, Beyonce, Diana Ross, Luther Vandross, Aretha Franklin, all started off in the church. And the gospel church experience is one that, you know, you really learn some great things uh, in your singing, in delivery, in being spontaneous and improvisational. Now, that coupled with good vocal coaching and having good education in school, high school, and then college uh, helped to really cement things uh, in terms of what I learned in the church, coupled with actual music and education. Also, I'm a musician. And so the love of music has just taken over. It took over as I got older. And then also uh, the defining moment was, you know, I have a business administration degree from our alma mater, Northern Illinois University. And while I love that degree and I excelled with it, I just couldn't see myself being fulfilled in a business arena of being at a desk. That's great for some people, but I knew it wasn't for me. Me being a person who absolutely loves and adores people, I felt, you know, and, and I felt like God was uh, has, had blessed me to be able to have that fire in me to reach people, and my platform to reach people is through the stage. Oh, so that's I where that. I, I figured it out. I'm like, man, this is something I got to do forever. So when did you know that? Did you know while you were in college and in pursuing that business degree, did you know it? I think it became official then when I really felt it was in high school. There was a great, uh, being from Batavia, Illinois, there was a great show choir at Batavia High School called the Swing Singers. Now, it was, you know, show choir can be a lot of things, but this show choir, man, we were traveling around. We we learned choreography. We learned staging, presence, vocalizing, all of the stuff that, some of the stuff I still have taken with me that I use today. And so with that being a nice kind of opening to, you know, what it's like to be a performer, as we had many performances, I'm like, man, this is really cool. And I'm getting a dose of what it's like to be in front of people, learning how to hold a microphone, dancing, all of that. And so that's where I was. I was like, man, I think I, I really want this. And then singing in college with the a wonderful and renowned NIU Jazz Ensemble and the touring that happened with that and being under the tutelage of Professor Ron Carter, who gave me a great education. It was all of those things, but the college experience, because I was afraid, you know, as I'm nearing graduation in 2002, I'm like, man, you know, this is the time to do it. If I'm going to do it, I'm like, you know, let's just go for it now. You know, this is the, if I'm a mess up with it, I mean, at least I'll be young still. So it was all of that that got me there. 
So I have a I have a few questions based on what you just said. Why mm-hmm. why do the business degree in in college if you knew you wanted to perform? Well, there was I have to look at things, Chris. I always explain things like a pie chart, which is very indicative of my business degree. You have to, you have to take marketing courses, so you look at a pie chart. See, this came from the twenty five percent. So I'll say twenty five percent of it was fear of hey, if this show business thing does doesn't work out. Hey, I got a good business degree. I can get a traditional job if if need be. Another part of it was understanding that show business is a business. You yourself are a product. Marketing is something you need to know. Understanding contracts, which I sign all of the time. Um, the business deals that transpire with the venue, be it a club or a theater, uh, a national tour, all of those things are business things. The stage is the stage, but you got to know numbers. You have to, um, you know, I have, I have been blessed to have a, a personal accountant, but before then, and even now managing my own personal finances and having, you know, incorporating myself as a product, all that is business. So, Nicholas, I've known you since college, and one thing that I noticed is that you left immediately you left school you graduated and you started working immediately first of all is that 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 is the truth right yes sir so right how, away how did you get started into that so so fast well i i was blessed with a good manager at the time he uh we we had uh, i'd made some visits to las vegas before even graduating and um this particular manager who lived in las vegas Jimmy J. Smith was his name. He was very influential in Las Vegas, knew a lot of the right people, the right agents, the right uh, managers, uh, the theater managers, and, uh, you know, celebrities and entertainers that were out there and musicians. So I started off with a nice, nice head start with the best musicians. Uh, You know, my manager knew Wayne Newton or knows him. And, you know, Wayne Newton was instrumental in giving me a nice push, not to mention other entertainers that took me under their wing and gave me a nice boost. Radio stations, my manager was close with a lot of radio stations, so they played my music. So it was basically him that just got it really rolling. So how were you introduced to him in the first place? It was through my dad. Uh, he, He had known... Uh, of uh, Jimmy J uh, through, you know, some other connections. I, I'm not even quite sure, but but it was basically my dad helping me uh, in, in realizing the dream and realizing the talent to put me in line with the right people. And so the right person for that time was uh, Jimmy J Smith in Las Vegas. And, uh, that's how it all happened. And it was big when it first happened, man. It was a real nice start. So is it safe to say that Wayne Newton and other celebrities were willing to help you because of your relationship with your manager, Jimmy, Jimmy Smith? Yeah, I think that was, again, let's go back to the <laughs> the pie chart. Okay. I think that, that that helps. But I also, even I'm speaking even for other entertainers who might 
you know, know all the right people and the Clive Davises and the, you know, the entertainers, the Whitney Houston's or the, you know, uh, Lil Wayne's, whatever. I think it also is about the entertainer, the person. If you are a humble person and you're, and you're talented and you can work with people, I think that people will do more for you when you show the humility and you show the eagerness to learn and to be educated. If you already are coming out the gate thinking you're all that and you have a chip on your shoulder or an attitude, I firmly believe that your blessings and your opportunities will be much, much smaller. So I think, you know, I've, you know, I don't pat myself on the back much, but I was I was coming in there bright eyed, bushy tailed, eager. I wanted to learn. I'm a nice guy and I wanted to uh, present the best Nicholas Brooks I knew how to be. And that's just being open and nice and willing to work with anybody. That's great. So tell us, what was your first job when, when you arrived there? Uh, it, the first job It's always so hard because I've there was a lot of jobs. I always like to think of my first big job. Can I can I speak on that one? Sure. Because that's the most significant my whole life long. And that was uh, when Wayne Newton uh, on Friday nights in his wonderful big theater, the Wayne Newton Theater at the Stardust Hotel, which actually is no longer in existence. They blew that hotel up about six years ago. But he had Friday nights off. That was his dark night. For those of you who don't know Dark Night, that means, you know, the one night an entertainer or a show isn't going on. That's their dark night. His dark night happened to be Friday. And he allowed me to have my first show, big show, in his theater with all the lights and the seating and the big wraparound stage and my name on the marquee. And man, Chris, I got to tell you, that was just amazing as a, at that time, 23 years old, to be able to drive down the strip and to see my name on a huge Las Vegas hotel marquee on the strip and to be the star of the show where there's tickets and, you know, just all of the bells and whistles when you are performing in a, a big Vegas theater. And it, it was just so amazing, you know, costume changing and having somebody to dress you and the right band and you've got uh, cameras. It was all of that. And, you know, to have that that young was a dream come true. Really wow. was. That sounds like a marvelous experience. Yes, it, it was, man. I just, you know, and, and I and I took it as such a blessing because that's something a lot of people don't ever get to experience. Um, but it, it just was, was awesome. And that's the kind of thing that I had dreamt about. And here it was right there, you know, for me to grab. And so soon, and that's what was just something like, man, I'm pinching myself like, gosh, you know, it was just amazing, you know, a totally amazing experience. Now you kind of said something just now in passing. You said you kind of dreamt about it. Mm-hmm. And I remember a long time ago we had a talk and you you told me that you used to perform to an empty room. Yeah. Uh, if I remember cor- <laughs> if I remember correctly, uh I think you sang to the mirror. I think you told me I that. I did. Now let me yeah. tell you this much, Chris. I did and I do. Okay. 
I always teach. One of, one of the things that's been a blessing of this career is I've been able to speak at schools and not just speaking at schools, but I've met a lot of younger people and even people a little older than me that want to break into the business or just have uh, interviewed me like you're doing or who want to know about the business, who, who are wanting to break into it. And one of the things is that I'm, I'm always trying to refine myself as an entertainer. Back then, when we were, you know, first met and then singing into the mirror, it was, you know, I'm holding a pencil in my hand, man. I'm working on my 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 facial expressions, how my hands are moving, my posture, because the delivery is what is what what's what's held true when a person walks away from a performance. If let's talk psychology. We as human beings, 90% of what we see, we believe. 10% is what we hear. So what does that tell you in terms of, you can be a wonderful and great talented vocalist, but you got to bring it. You need to be entertaining, engaging, attractive. And by attractive, I'm not just talking physically. What you're doing needs to be attractive in attracting the people. And so that's something that I felt like... uh, you know, and just watching other people and studying other artists who I felt was great. I was like, man, to that kind of greatness, look how comfortable they are. And I frankly wasn't comfortable. I got myself comfortable because I got myself at home with what I looked like doing this or that. So when I did it on the real stage, it was something I already knew what I looked like. And it was home to me. All that I did was home because I had rehearsed it and I rehearsed it. And I rehearsed it some more. Still do. Well, that's a great lesson. Thank you. Thank you for sharing this. And and the fact that you still do it just proves how important it is. Oh, yeah, man. And, you know, if I can if I can interject again, one of the great lessons um, I I look at Vegas like uh, that was the master's and um, Ph.D. degree because the Vegas experience is so different from, I'd say, any place on earth, goods and bads. But the good is, in Vegas, you got to work it. And what I mean by work it, any time, any place, especially at night, people have a choice of going to a hundred other places, man, a hundred other places. So for you to hold their attention, you need to bring it in whatever that means. And so I, I, I learned that kind of, let me do whatever I need to do for you to keep your eyes on me, for you to not walk away, for you to not be socializing. Because in Vegas, you don't really have to be a captive audience. You don't really have to. If you're paying tickets, yeah, you're you're more of a captive audience. But I did a lot of, you know, things, uh, some lounge work, um, public things that, you know, people can walk in and out of that joint. And, you know, for them to remember me, I needed to let me stand up on this chair. Let me kick. Let me do a nice high kick when the when the band accents this note. Let me do a turn, a flip. Let me throw that mic up in there and catch it. Let me hold this note a little longer. All of that stuff is what allowed for people, man, who is this dude? Who is this guy? Let me let me check him out. Let me stay for a little while. This guy is really bringing it. And that's just the whole I think the the Vegas uh kind of uh what what you 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 were brought to 
as a Vegas entertainer, that sense of urgency and performance that you have got to pull out all the stops and put every ounce of you in the performance because that is what keeps the butts in the seats. And that's what keeps you working, too, as a it result. It does. Yes. Oh, yeah. And your reputation. And also, uh, the Vegas entertainment community, we all know each other. It is a fraternity of people where your rep your rep goes out there. And so when you have that reputation, you know, you're hired more, you're referred more, and that's what you want to do in the beginnings so that you get to a part a, a, a position where you don't really have to put yourself out there as much. The agents, the managers, the venues, they know you and then they hire you and you're busy. That's good. That sounds exactly like the local yeah. musician community here of course where, wherever most, here is for you <laughs> yeah most definitely most definitely so i know that you impersonate sammy davis jr or at least yeah, you did man. in the past you still do that <laughs> I, yeah man i do man <laughs> <laughs> right on I, I still do so tell us what is it like what is it like impersonating sammy davis jr well he was one of the greatest entertainers in the world. And I'm not just saying that from my opinion, that's what he was known by Frank Sinatra. Uh, even Michael Jackson, many entertainers always said he was one of the greatest entertainers. He could, he could dance, he could tap, he could sing, he could act. He played the drums profoundly well, the piano, the saxophone, the trumpet. He was the fastest gunslinger. He actually hold, held a, red, a world record. He could do almost anything. And he was one of those entertainers that gave every ounce of who he was. So in portraying a character like that, it rose my A-game up significantly because I needed to become a better dancer. I needed to learn tap. I'm not as great of a tapper as he is or was, excuse me. Uh, But I needed to totally refine myself. But also there is a part in acting where I had to totally be selfless, meaning there being no part of Nicholas Brooks on that stage. When you are portraying a character, fictional or non-fictional, you have to be selfless. But it's even further when you're portraying a character that everybody knows. In Vegas, there's a higher standard where you have people who are really studying your delivery of that particular character a lot of people that's their favorite that was their favorite singer and when they come to vegas they're expecting greatness so the judgment is high so guess what you've got to dig even deeper in that character so i read sammy davis's book yes i can i watched as many youtubes as i could the interviews uh and also one of the greatest educations all the people that i've met in the receiving line by the way I've done a meet and greet after almost every show. That's, that's, you know, a couple thousand shows. And I've met people who were his waiter, taxi cab driver, his chauffeur, bartender, who was the craps dealer at the table, a woman who, let's say, hooked up with him after his uh, Broadway debut of Golden Boy. And I've heard all these stories, these personal accounts, which has also helped for my own uh, delivery of that particular character. So that's, if I can give you uh, the the challenge, but, but also, uh, you know, the great challenge of really diving deep into a character that so many people knew and loved 
again, after you graduated college, you went yes, right sir. into this business. You betcha. And you still do it today. How, how many years has it been? 13, man. Almost 13. So 13 solid years. Yes. How, how are you able to do it for so long? What, what, what makes it work for you? Well, first, I want to let the audience know I graduated college at seven years old. So that would make me 20 <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but uh, to, to Prodigy. do it. Yeah, man. No, I, um, for 13 years, I would say to do it so long, it's a lot of things. You got to want it. And you got to want it bad all the time. This business is wild. It's crazy. It's abnormal. It's tough. And it's rough. And the, the only way that you keep your head above water is you have to love it, love it, love it. You have to love it to your core because there are so many things that can derail you through your fault or not through your fault. And it's unpredictable. And so, you know, some of it is just good blessings from above. A lot of it is hard work. A lot of it is aligning yourself with the right people. You can align yourself with the wrong people and that career can be over. Um, you need to constantly be thinking about the next thing. This is not a business you can just sit down and be comfortable with. Any show at any given time can close in a couple weeks. That's in, in Vegas. Any show can close in a week. Same thing on Broadway. Uh, a show can be canceled next season in Hollywood. You are always at the edge of your seat. So you can't ever rest. So that's the thing that you, you've got to have that next thing that you're going for. Let me interrupt real quick. Sure, sorry, of course but, uh, you always can. Yeah. So so knowing that at any moment a show can be canceled or have a short lifespan, mm -hmm. how how much of, of your career is you waiting for the phone to ring versus you creating a job for yourself? I'd say that's like 50% of it. I mean, it, I mean, the, 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 the great, this is the thing. If I can, I'm a, I'm a shedding, I'm shedding all the skin here, man. Thank there's you. a, there's a place you can get to. You're, you're never going to not, you're never going to be totally resting and comfortable. I'll say that much. You even hear the big stars say that you're always looking for the phone to ring for whatever, if it's huge stuff or it's little stuff, you're always looking for it. But there is a point where you can get to where you do know it is going to ring. And that takes some years to get to where you can count on it ringing. You want it to ring and you're waiting for it to ring, but you can count on it. So that's where it shifts a little bit where I don't have to chase as much. I really don't. In the early days, man, I had to chase. I had to audition a lot more. I had to prove myself a lot more. Now there isn't as much of that. I'm, I'm still doing it, but it's, I don't have to chase. I have several agents, and I have several musicians that I work with. Uh, I have, you know, different, there's just a lot, you know, theater owners. These people know me. And so they're calling, and that's that's what I'm. I can kind of count on if that answers the question. It, it does. It does answer the question. Mm -hmm. So with with the theater owners, for example, let's just use that one example. Yes. Um, is it you going to speak to them, or is it your 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 agents doing this for you? It's both because it, initially it is the agents because they you know that a lot of times when you get at the 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 level I am the the artist or the performer isn't talking directly to the theater 
people, period. It is the producers, the managers, the agents. But what I purposefully do is I want to meet these people. And it's not just for the enhancement of my career, even though that is an amazing byproduct of it, but I definitely want to know who these people are. I'm eager to even know what it is like managing a theater. My knowledge base, I want to, my knowledge base on all things show business. I want to know what it's like for the people who are in the costume department who have dressed me. I want to know what that's like. For the for the stage hand, what that's like for them. The guy running the sound. You know, all of those, the guy that's lowering the curtain. You know, all of those things. And so it is something I do, Chris. Everybody, if you're part of that theater, Nicholas Brooks is going to go up and talk to you. And I want to find out who you are, what you're about, and we're going to converse. And so that has paid me huge dividends because they're not only seeing me as an entertainer, but they're seeing me as their friend, a nice acquaintance, a person that they got to chat with that they felt, wow, he's broken that wall of the quote unquote diva entertainer. He's actually wanting to know something about me in this business that I'm in and what I'm about. So so that's that's been a huge blessing and it's kept me working. It's kept me working, man. There's power in relationship. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's and that's something that we talk about on a regular basis here. Yeah. So thank you for illustrating that to us again. Yeah, I always tell people you got to talk to everybody, and that's you know there's some. If I can just sorry interject you from uh, I know you got a next question, but I I just you know that's one thing, and that that's what Sammy did. Sammy talked to everyone. I have not heard one bad story, and I've heard hundreds of Sammy's stories. He talked to everyone, and that's very much a part of me too. Whatever it is that you do, I want to talk to you. And everyone is worth getting to know. And all too often in this business, people isolate themselves. They consider themselves better than other people. They poo-poo you know, the little jobs people do. No, no, everybody's job is an important job. The person that gets me sandwiches and my tea in my dressing room, yo, he's important too. They all are important to make the overall product. So that's the thing is staying humble. You got to stay humble and talk to everyone. And you're no better than any of those people. That's that's so true. Thank you for reminding us too. Yeah. So you mentioned a few people. Uh, you mentioned the agent. You mentioned an accountant. So I just want to ask you, what type of team do you have in place? Well, the yeah. kind of type of team. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's you know, I have a, a great, you know, like I said, the accountant. She, um, you know, she manages some of the books. Some of the books I manage myself. I got to use this here business degree for something, you know, uh, finance in terms of the finance courses I took, but, uh, my taxes, you know, you know, making sure everything is right. And all my write-offs, you know, from all the overseas and national travel, uh, you know, all of those things, which you got to keep yourself. If you are a person who's busy, that means you've got more people at you. You have, you know, so you have to keep your books straight. You really have to do that. Uh, agents, I have many 
for different all kinds of jobs. I have a wonderful agent in Hollywood, Robin McWilliams. She does strictly my TV appearances uh, for TV shows. She casts on, um, you know, the CSIs and Young and the Restless and um, uh, Scandal. All those type of shows. And then I have agents that just work for Vegas when I have corporate events for whatever corporation might come to Las Vegas and they want entertainment. They go to those. those I have agents in Canada when they have something with a theater there or Florida, New York, Nashville, Seattle, Portland, Topeka, Kansas, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. I have agents all the way around who have at any given point in time they have somebody coming to them, a client who wants entertainment. And so that's kind of, you know, the way that goes. Um, I also have a, a, a wonderful uh, tailor who, a costume designer who will make and augment and diminish certain things for my look because your look is important. You know, I have a hairstylist, you know, for helping help maintain that look. I also have a plastic surgeon as uh, <laughs> keeping the looks good, as those looks of, you know, I have a, you know, a dentist, all those things. It, all of those people are part of you as the product. If you are an entertainer, if you're out there in front of people, all of it matters. What people see and what they don't see, you know, that hair. What you're wearing, those shoes, your weight to a degree, your smile, you, what musicians you have. Uh, I have a team of musicians, and if one musician that one of my you know favorites isn't work, you know is, is busy, I have down the line. I have a second uh, cast list, and a third, and a fourth. So that's the kind of team of people that all of those people help me and keep me working and raise the bar on me as an entertainer. Now, about the agent, when is it a good time to get an agent? Is it a good time to get one from the beginning? And, you know, when you're wet behind the ears and you don't have a lot to your credit, or do you think it's more important to, you know, do some work and have a track record? Yeah, I think it's important. You got to do some, you got to lay some groundwork first. You got to pay your dues. And you don't really need an agent then because that's, you know, agents, God bless them, <laughs> but they aren't all good. Man, you get for you. First of all, you got you got some bad ones out there, and usually, sometimes they're attracted to new talent because new talent hasn't been experienced enough or knowledgeable enough in the business to know do's and don'ts and wills and won'ts. And so, sometimes you just need to get out there and hoof it on your own. And before you land an agent or seek an agent, talk to other entertainers, ask them the business, ask them the good parts, ask them the bad parts, ask them what to look for, you know, read some books on agents to know what's all of what they should be doing for you. You know, that that's the thing is, is education. Knowledge is power. But I, always, I firmly believe Go out there, and I always tell people for whatever it is. If if you're if you're playing, you know any type of instrument. If you're singing, whatever opportunity you have in the beginning, especially say yes. If it's singing at a funeral, say yes. At a wedding, say yes. If it is a little juke joint that seats twenty people, say yes. Get that experience 
And that's that's the thing you want to without all the other business ends of things, because that that can get that can not only disillusion entertainers, but it can just cloud things. And that's what you know. sometimes is the unfortunate part of show business is that the business end of it turns some people off. It's run a lot of people out of the business and it's messed some things up for people, very well-known people, you know, who've who've gone um, bankrupt, you know, Tony Braxton. Barry Manilow, mismanagement of funds for people they've employed. So, you know, the, the business end of things will happen. But just in the beginning, just focus on the music. Focus on your heart and soul in the artistry and the creativity of whatever it is you're putting out there. The business stuff will be later. Focus on what it is that's in your soul. Man, that's beautiful advice. Thank uh, you. I'm going to stop right there. Um, is there anything else you want to leave us with? Uh, one more great piece of advice you've given us so much already. Oh, I just wanted to open the door. Well, the thing is, I, I, I just, I always say this to people. Each gig is an audition for the next gig. And, and let's go even further than that. And I say this for every actor, every musician and every singer in any audience. And I mean, any audience at any given time, anywhere on this earth. There will be somebody in the audience going through an incredibly rough time, somebody who got that cancer diagnosis. They're going through that divorce. They haven't spoken to mama in years. They just were fired from that, their, that job. They you know, have had some legal troubles, lost their home. All of those things that happen in life and music is one of the only things that can give someone that temporary vacation, that sense, that, that, that enlightenment, the lightening of the load, the, all of that euphoria, music does that. And so I say to the performer, don't ever treat any performance like, uh, I'm not feeling it today. Uh, there's only 10 people out there. Don't ever do that. You're going to affect someone's life. You could save someone's life based on performance. So I just always leave it with that, that pour that heart and soul out on that stage all of the time because you have someone in the audience who needs it. They need the break. They need the hope. And we as entertainers, we have that power. Realize it's a blessing and and treat it with importance. And that's, that's what I give people. Realize the power and use it. Thank you so much, Nicholas. Oh, sure. my goodness. <laughs> I'm a preacher, too. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah. on. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just, you know, because and, and I got to say this, if I can say a little bit more. Uh, do you have time for that? Just, sure. just a second. Yes, we do. Well, the thing about it is, you know, I'm, I'm a softy. You know, I'm a Pisces. You know, we're a very sensitive uh, zodiac sign. But I, I was, I'm that way, anyways. And so that's one of the things I think that has uh, made me a, a good performer is that I'm always trying to identify with the audience. I want to know who they are. I want to look in their eyes. I want to be at home with them. If the song is three minutes, hey, for three minutes, hey, let's let's look at each other. Let's talk. Let our minds, let our spirits commune. And that's where I've always gone. And I've gone to that greater as I've become more of an adult and have understood the human experience, experienced the woes of life myself, and met many, 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 many people. 
but also I've worked with and seen some people who upset me. They are entertainers where it has become about the money. It's become about getting laid. It has become about me, my name and lights, what I'm entitled to, and not giving a rat's you-know-what about the audience, not caring what who they are, what they're about, or even trying to reach them. And so it's it's really disappointed me in that type of when people have you know worked along you know their whole lives or for years to reach a level and they get to that level and they just treat it not with the same sense of urgency and treat it with uh, you know just not much of an importance and so that's kind of where you know I'm just you know whatever level you are as an entertainer as an entertainer don't forget the people. You just cannot forget the people. And this business can sometimes, you know, reposition you where you will forget it because you will, you know, as you, you know, you get blessed, the money happens. You know, whatever you're into, man, it's there for you. You, you know, and that's what really can distract you from the people and from the creativity. You know, if you're into the ladies, Yes, there will be many, many more. All of what you want, it can happen for you to the 10th power, should your star rise more to the 100th, 1,000th, millionth power. And those aren't part of the creativity and the artistry of the stage and the music and the acting. That's not a part of it. It's a byproduct of it. But that's not why you got into the business in the first place. And so I just say to people, don't get distracted. Do not get distracted from what's in your soul and don't get distracted from you wanting to reach the people. That's really good. That's really good. And I want to add to that. Um, I think it's important to always just do what you do with excellence. Yeah, man. Period. Whatever it is. Because you owe it to yourself. Yeah. And, and, you owe it, and you owe it to your audience. And, and also tomorrow ain't promised for none of us. I mean, think about this. At, at some point in all of our lives, there will be that last performance. That's guaranteed. Whatever it is, there will be when we are called home, there at whatever it was, that was the last performance. So, hey, let's make it great. Let's put out all the stops. Let's do it. Let's take it to the top, you know, because that could have been it. So that's the thing I think that you know, you, you may not have a, a second chance. And certainly, you know, in life, there are no do-overs, you know, and, and also in any audience, let me say this much. There could be that one person who changes the course of your entire career because that moment in time was there to be held and you took it, they took it, and it was a moment in time that needed to happen where, you know, you are now blessed and you're taken to a new horizon. And it could have been three people in that audience. It's happened for many people, but there was just but a handful of people. And that one person, I know it happened to Whoopi Goldberg, Mike Nichols, who was uh, Diane Sawyer's uh, husband that passed on. But, but more than that, he is a, one of the most treasured uh, producers and directors in American history. And he was very influential, influential in Whoopi Goldberg's career when she was just starting out. And she has had those audiences of a handful of people. And Mike Nichols was one of those people in the audience. And he changed the course 
of her entire career and made her the Whoopi Goldberg we know of today. Small audience, but there was a person who changed everything that was in that small audience. So thank you. I want to say thank you, Nicholas. We really appreciate you for sharing with us today. How can the people find you if they want to? Oh man, well, well they can well I'm on Instagram and Milligram and Kilogram <laughs> and no, <laughs> okay. I'm on Instagram, which would be underscore Nicholas Brooks and I'm NicholasBrooks.com. Uh on Facebook, Nicholas Brooks. I'm the first one that pops up. I'm on Twitter, underscore Nicholas Brooks. I'm very visible online and uh, you know, I'm I'll update wherever I am and I'm all around the country, I really, I'm visiting almost every U.S. city, if not once, maybe twice a year. So I'm always at the theater near you, <laughs> as people can say it that way. But yeah, I like to, I'm all around. So, you know, hit me up and I talk to everybody. I answer all emails. Oh, right on. Well, thank Thanks a lot. And uh, hopefully we have you back in the future. I want to come back and, and Chris, man, a pleasure talking with you. You've been a friend and brother for many, many, many years. I love what you're doing and uh, you're, you're a blessing to me. So I thank you. Thanks, Nick. All right, brother. You be well. Hey, thanks for listening this far. I just want to give you a quick recap, really quick. Number one, if you notice, Nick has made a decision early on that he was going to be an entertainer and now he's living his dream based on that decision because he followed through on that. Number two, Nicholas connected with the right people and he used his immediate circle. In this case, it was his father who put him in contact with his manager and his career took off from there. So for you, it might not be your father, but you might you might have a friend or a friend of a friend who has the connections that you need. So go ahead and ask for the help that you need if you need help. Number three, Nicholas asked questions of the greats. And for that, he became a better performer. And because he became a better performer, he was able to continue working. So go ahead and ask questions when you need help. Number four, the phone rings now for Nicholas because he's been in the business for over 10 years. So as you put your time in, you're going to be more in demand. So keep working. And finally, number five, Nicholas educated himself. Now, I don't know if you remember, but he said he has a business degree. You might not have a business degree, but you do need to educate yourself in the business because that's the business we're in, music entertainment. So I'm recommending to you that you go to audibletrial.com slash behind the notes and get your free audio trial of any book you choose. You can get that business book, start that education for yourself. And if, if you like the service, continue it. If you don't, you're able to cancel at any time and you still get to keep the free audio book. So that's all for now. Thank you so much for pressing play, and we'll catch you in the next episode. God bless you.